Adam Renshaw here for another one in five. I'm with Abel Baker. Hello. And Rebecca Musetter is joining us in the studio again today. <laughs> I actually find that little voice of her sort of shocking, like, ah! <laughs> like your soothing music and then, ah! I just always imagine like limbings, you know? <laughs> right when they realize that they've made a poor decision. <laughs> <laughs> it is a little shocking. Except they look like they're dressed for a rave because it's just <laughs> so they've got like binkies in their mouths, which is why it kind of has that electronic tinge to it. Glow sticks around their wrists. So let me let me get this straight. We've just opened the program up with lemmings at a rave, <laughs> falling off a cliff. Well, yeah. And oddly enough, it actually, in a way, fits with our topic today. So this morning, or whenever you're listening to this, um, we have an exciting episode because we're we're going to figure out what a buffalo jump has to do with a health center, federally qualified health center. Um, I'm very interested in that. I am too intrigued as to how we're going to... Yeah, if you're listening, um, that's our little bait and switch. At Later in the show, you're going to hear this, and I think it's important because I've heard it, and it's pretty amazing. So, But before we get to that point, we have some questions that we wanted to ask. Rebecca, if you would be so kind, you're not just a guest. You're going to be with us more and more, and um, you know, if you have any questions for us, feel free to ask those, but... The first question I had for you, are we ready to start? Sure. Okay. Absolutely. The first question I had is, um, you have a PhD from the University of Indiana in archaeology. Do you think you're better than us? And my other question is, why are you working here? <laughs> uh, well, I heard once that PhD stands for piled higher and deeper, and I'll let you fill in the rest. Okay. Um. It also means that I'm a doctor, but not a medical doctor. So oh, I've often wondered. Don't let me treat you for anything. And why are you working here? Um, I'm working here because I moved to Montana to be an archaeologist. Um, no, that uh, I'm nodding my head as an okay, yeah, but I don't get it yet. In 2014, uh, to work for the Crow Tribe, and um, I stopped working for them in 2016 after the tribal election and was uh, looking for a new position in this area because I have family here and love rural Montana um, and was a patient at BBHC also. So I submitted an application to be an administrative aide, and um, Dr. Byron uh, asked if I could come and interview, and it was the weirdest interview I've ever had. Um, Tell us a little bit about it. I basically spent an hour saying, I don't really care. Here's what I'm good at. I have no idea what healthcare is about. Here's what I think I might be able to do for you. And... um, and it was great. It was like over an hour with him and Lara Salazar. And I told them about community-based participatory research, hung Excellent. twister. This is why I really feel like I connect with you guys over our, <laughs> our, 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 <laughs> the thing with the acronyms. 
an association of amazing and really confusing Yes, because archaeology is a field that has a lot of acronyms as well. Um, in fact, Archie sounds like it might be an archaeology acronym. Oh, it does. Can I say how I would have interviewed you? I would have found a yard and buried five interview questions somewhere in the yard concerning healthcare, and you would have had to have found them. I would bet you that I could find them. And then I would have been like, you've got the job. Gauntlet laid down. Let's do it. (laughs) I agree. That sounds like a fun little challenge. What is healthcare, number one? Really, though, if you can find it, you've pretty much, for me, made the connection between archaeology and healthcare. So, I mean, how could you not? Well, the deal is that what I found is that archaeology has a lot of connections with healthcare. Um, most people think of archaeology kind of like the Indiana Jones or Lara Croft or. Um, it's not that. What's an oh the mummy? Have you guys yeah. seen the mummy? Yeah, yeah. Oh, Brendan Fraser. Mom, love Horrible. all three of them. But really, if Indiana Jones was carrying around a laptop and a GPS unit, that would be a little bit more on point with what professional archaeology looks like. Um, also, if he had a tribal liaison with him. That would also be more on point with how archaeology looks in the Northern Plains, which is where we're at. So mostly it's about data collection. And what I did as a professional archaeologist was a lot of data collection and database management. And so here I am at Bighorn Valley, and I'm the director of data analytics. So um, I actually feel very comfortable in that role. That's what we kind of want our listeners to hear. I mean, it is... It's a really cool story, and there's more to come about that. But thanks for taking my uh, fun question and, and giving an awesome answer. A serious to it. Adam's answer, got yeah. a, another fun question. If you were a character in Once Upon a Time, who would you be, and how does that relate to your work in data analytics? Yeah, so for um, all of you Once Upon a Time fans out there, this shouldn't come as a surprise, but I would be Belle from Beauty and the Beast. Uh, she's a librarian on the oh, television okay. show. <laughs> yeah, and librarians curate books and information in a really similar way to the way that I curate data on our um, cloud-based servers. And um, also, she really wants to use all of her book learning to be a hero and have adventures, and it doesn't always work out the way she thinks it will. Kind of like Indiana Jones? It kind of feels like my adventures in healthcare. Okay. Can I just say that I don't think we're going to talk to many archaeologists that can apply a narrative as well over data sets or, I mean, you have the ability to flip from bottom up thinking and top down thinking faster than anybody I know. And this is so much fun. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, you just like an Adobe expert, you just laid a narrative right over the top. So that's the deal, right? On my first day um, at BVHC, the strategy and innovation department was also born. So my BVHC birthday is the same birthday as the strategy and innovation group. And when we were talking about it and putting it on a big whiteboard, what is the structure of this department? What's its role in BVHC? They just drew a big circle around the whole thing and said data. So... Very cool. Making analogies to data is super fun. What is something interesting about you that very few people know? Yeah, well, I spent nine years writing a dissertation on buffalo jumping. 
So I'm assuming they can jump high. Seven feet. That's unbelievable. That like, is unbelievable. I thought can, she, I thought that was a joke question. I mean, that's hard to imagine. That's like Sha- that Shaquille O'Neal's the top of his head. And if you've ever been to a buffalo ranch, just look at the size of the fences. Ooh. Even if you go out and visit the um, the Crow tribe, has several buffalo pastures that they kind of move their herd from. Um, and you'll notice that those fences are a lot more robust than the ones that they keep their cattle in. I love how you can also just turn things around and make it into like really obvious. Like if you would have just looked at the fences around Buffalo ranches, idiot, you would have known that a Buffalo can jump seven feet or higher. Well, I didn't know that Buffaloes could jump that high until someone told me. And I haven't actually with my own eyes witnessed it. What I'd like to see is a Buffalo jumping that high, but failing ultimately at the end. <laughs> Tripping over so, like, and then it like gets up and like licks its hump or something. Like it licks its hump. <laughs> I, I totally meant to do that. Okay, new question. Can a I'm asking an archaeologist this? Can a buffalo lick its hump? <laughs> oh, that's good. But, um, so, yes, buffalo can jump. When we talk about buffalo jumps, though, they're usually falling, not jumping. Okay. And, and seriously, that when, when we get onto that subject at the end, that's where our show actually becomes valuable to you who are serious <laughs> and very annoyed with the content so far. Adam, do you have a super serious question that's maybe not serious? I do. This is... This is... You guys, I'm barely holding it together. <laughs> okay. okay. Is, you guys are just really cracking me up. Rebecca. And then he just gets up and, you know, licks his own hump. And like, yeah. trying to play it off. Yeah. <laughs> oh, what happened? No, nothing. I mean, that's what I would do if I had a hump. I'd be like, oh, no, they're looking at me. So then I'm really intrigued, though, because... Like, can a camel turn its neck around? I'm. That was what came to my mind was, can a camel actually, I mean, they do have Yeah, sort of camels long have necks, really long necks. And they can turn around and lick yes. their own humps? They can okay. actually, I bet a camel That's could not... probably spit at you while you're riding it. Oh, wow. And then it would run into a wall. And now I know what I'm going to YouTube at lunch. <laughs> Camels licking their own humps. Uh-huh. It's like YouTube just broke. <laughs> That's a dromedary. We have, we have never had that question before. And we have had, we are YouTube. Have you we asked have your had, question oh, yet? Oh, no. <laughs> okay. Next question is, we heard you love Jane Austen. Do you prefer BBC Jane Austen or American Cinema Jane Austen? Well, so before you guys asked me that question, I didn't even know that was a thing. I mean, I know that the BBC does stuff and that there are movies too, but I didn't know it was like a thing that you had to pick a side because I love it all. There it is. You don't have to pick a side. I think that's really what I was trying to get at with that. And the reason why I wanted you to answer that question is because Abel and I are having a disagreement about something and uh, we didn't want you to pick a side. Is it the new adaptation of Emma? No. What is? I don't know what that is. So that was another one where I do consider myself to be 
a really big Jane Austen fan, but I also live in a town of 3,500 in eastern Montana and didn't know there was a new Emma until we went to the movies last week. And did you see it? Yes, and I made my husband watch it with me, if he's listening. Thank you. Okay, next question. (laughs) If you woke up tomorrow and you were in another time and place as Jane Austen, what time and place would it be? And it can't be the time and place of Jane Austen historically. Well, I just think it would be really interesting to see Jane Austen's take on today. Well, that's a t- yeah, that's a time and place. I would work. Yeah, um, I would be Jane Austen today. In Where? eastern Montana? She may not get a lot of play. Yes, actually, in eastern Montana. I was kind of thinking about that. There's so many interesting characters in um, in our hometown, Arden, um, that I think that she would really get a lot of fun out of poking fun at in a loving way um, and kind of help us see the humor in our own lives and our own idiosyncrasies. Now we're going to bring this around to buffalo jumping. I mean, is that what it would be called? Like buffalo? What would what would it be called? Good question. Yeah, well, if you were the person jumping a buffalo, I think you would be buffalo jumping. Um, but but today we see only, that was very kind of you. We get to look mm-hmm. at buffalo jumps. Jumps. Okay. And that's so, where buffalo. Can you explain that to us? Yeah, tell us about this whole thing. We jump? were we were hearing about it, and we think it's super interesting that that was like your one of your specialities. Yeah. So. Uh, if you if you didn't already know, eastern Montana, from the southern side of Montana to the northern side of Montana, is the geological or geographical hotspot of buffalo jumping in North America. So it's kind of all around us, and it spreads spreads from northern Colorado up into Alberta. Um, this is like the part of North America where the geography. Um, supported buffalo jumping. So buffalo jumping is like a a prehistoric uh, practice where groups of people would um, funnel herds of buffalo to a cliff and convince the buffalo to head over the cliff to their death. Um, Did they use cunning phrases? How did they convince the buffalo? That is something that we don't know entirely how it works. We know that it involved some spiritual aspects. We also know that it involved some really cunning um, hunting. Uh, so some people would would uh, pressure a buffalo herd for days, pushing it towards the entrance to a buffalo jump mm. um, before they would panic a herd into, into running into their deaths. So how does this relate to healthcare? Yeah, well, so buffalo jumps are what I think the coolest archaeological site type on the plains because they're like a microcosm of plains archaeology. Like microcosm is in, it's a small thing that represents the whole breadth of what's out there. So in a buffalo jumping complex, you're going to find sites that relate to um, 
spiritual activities where the game callers sit. You're going to find the drive lines. You're going to find um, uh, bone beds where you can identify different types of processing. So you're going to see industry, signs of industry, and you're going to see the campsites of, of the group of people who stayed there for several days to process the buffalo. So you're going to see a whole community of people while they're engaged in a single activity. And you're going to see all these different kinds of archaeological features in one spot. So the thing that, you know, from an archaeological perspective, that's really cool because you get to see all of these different aspects of material culture that's left behind. But the thing that left them left that stuff behind was uh, activity that engaged an entire community. So, and that's where I'm going is um, the thing that I love about community health centers, the way Bighorn Valley Health Center um, thinks about community health centers is it's not just an activity that happens when you walk into a clinic. A community health center is like a patient-centered medical home. That's a phrase that we use. It's It's a one facet of the communities that we live in, just like a patient walks in and while they're in our clinic, they're a patient, but when they walk out, they're a member of a community. And so what we do within the walls of our clinic can't stop there. That's, that's really great. Um, you tied that really well, Rebecca. Um, I'm, I guess I kind of makes me think about what we were talking about earlier about how you came to be uh, a patient here at this community health center and sort of your mentality going in, uh, you thought it was a walk-in clinic. Can you share that, that story with us and then sort of how you discovered um, that it was maybe more than that? Yeah. Well, the first time I walked into the doors at um, the Harden Clinic, the BBHC Harden Clinic, um, was in 2014 because I was looking for a place to live and it's in an apartment building. So I walked into the front desk and asked if they knew anything about the apartment. And I saw a woman with a, an infant in her arms sitting in a chair at the waiting, in the waiting room. And, um, you know, another woman at the desk. And that was like my experience with B BVHC. And it wasn't really well, there weren't really clear signs about what it was. And in my head, I thought this looks like a walk-in clinic because I come from an urban place. I'm from Southern California. So a few years later, I got sick and went to go to Bighorn Valley for care because it was just down the street. And um, at that time, there was a provider by the name of Beth, Beth Burnett, and she provided such excellent service to me that I was really impressed. And I saw a sign on the wall that said that they offer women's health services. And at that time, I was seeing a provider in Billings for women's health, which was really inconvenient. It took month to get scheduled. And so on a whim, I went back up to the front desk and I said, if I wanted to see Dr. Burnett for my annual exam, could I get that set up? And they were like, oh, well, you know, she's pretty booked out. Can you come back on Tuesday? <laughs> and um, I was like, you betcha. And um, so for me, I got to see through the excellent care that we provide that we were more than just a walk-in clinic, that we provided all kinds of things. And so the more times I came in, the more I got to see that we offered behavioral health care services. And I saw that we had a dental hygienist. I didn't really know, you know, we've talked about that before. Like, what is it like to be, what is it like for a patient to come into a community health center for the first time? And I, I can identify with that confusion. 
before we started recording this morning, you were making parallels between how you see community at work in a community health center and how you were seeing community at work um, through the eyes of an, of an uh, archaeological site. And can you make any of those parallels that you saw? How did you see community collecting around a task there and community collecting here around a, a central task? Yeah, so I think it's the same way that you find an archaeology working in or an archaeologist working in a healthcare center, right? Like um a lot of us are drawn to these community health centers because they're a place to work in our communities and we may not necessarily understand what it means when we first come to work here, but we um, you know, identify that the mission is pretty important. So when I think about like the people who are staffing our health centers, they are a pretty good representation of our community and they um, bring our community values into the clinic with them every day. I think Bighorn Valley Health Center is unique among the community health centers in Montana because of um, our strong emphasis on community development and community engagement. Um, you know, so there's always a constant push to move what we're doing outside the walls of the clinic mm. um, to kind of connect um, healthcare as it's happening in an exam room to preventative services that happen before a patient comes into an exam room or resource support that happens after a patient leaves the exam room. So it's, you know, we talk a lot about the continuum of care as being from one healthcare facility to another healthcare facility, but, you know, there's another access to it. And that's mm. what happens before and after a patient comes into the clinic. As an archaeologist, you, you maybe you were able to see when these buffalo jumps began to become something when they before they hadn't been thought of or worked out and may, maybe can you comment on the evolution of that and the evolution of what you're seeing in healthcare right um well buffalo jumps evolved from a different type of archaeological site we call bison kill sites so that's a more general term that includes buffalo jumps but can be really any place where there's evidence of a large group of buffalo being killed at the same time and uh, so the first bison jumping sites were, um, I, I imagine, were accidental. Um, there's a lot of, you know, a great example would be the Vor Buffalo Jump in Wyoming, which is a, a natural sinkhole that's almost impossible to see, even when you're right next to it. And there's a history of it being used to kill large groups of buffalo for thousands of years. So buffalo jumping has a long evolution, but it kind of hit um, hit its peak, like I said, here in South Central Montana. Um, uh, Joe Medicine Crow, who is an anthropologist um, who's no longer with us anymore, um, used to say that the Crow Country, like this area of Montana, South South Central Montana. Um, the Crow Reservation, sort of like the heart of it, um, was was where buffalo jumping hit its peak. And um, so a lot of it has to do with 
geography. A lot of it has to do with um, different tribes sharing different strategies and those strategies coming together. Um, and so I think healthcare in Montana right now, um, what I think of is all three different community health centers merging in the last two years and kind of sharing their strategies of success for working in communities that have a lot of similarities, but also some differences, some pretty fundamental differences. Um, so finding the balance between how to have um, tailored solutions to each community, but also sharing winning strategies across our organization um, is like, is that connection that I see um, so sort of I'm thinking of like uh, trade networks, but instead of trade networks, they're like idea networks. Mm -hmm. mm. I'm thinking when I hear you talk, necessity is the mother of invention, right? And geography plays into it. I'm looking at how when you look through health, at healthcare through the lens of Eastern Montana, how, how can we do this effectively? Boy, geography is at play. Um, pooling resources is at play. Telehealth, all of those different things. But, um, I hadn't thought about it in, su in such a way until you shared that story. So I really appreciate that. Yeah. And I mean, the thing that just really comes to my mind is like respect. Respect may not, you know, uh, to me, like buffalo jumping is like a fundamentally very respectful practice because it's very respectful of what a buffalo is and, you know, also respectful of a limited amount of resources. So most of the buffalo was utilized in intensively at these buffalo jump sites. There's evidence of that. Um, so there wasn't a lot of waste. And so when I think about sharing solutions across our different sites that are part of our organization now, I think of respect, like respect for the communities that we're in and our unique and who we are as unique entities within a larger organization and respect for that large organization as well. So... Um, so that's what I think when sharing solutions, when talking about our differences and what makes us unique, like respect is the thing that kind of overarches all of that. Uh, really grateful for Rebecca for coming in and uh, sharing this time with us. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Mm -hmm.